0: All right, and welcome back to the Blue Brothers Sportscast. I'm Caleb, and with me, as always, is Brandon. And a little bit late, but happy Father's Day to all those dads out there who are listening. Um, Brandon, I hear that you have an interesting story to share about your Father's Day weekend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, people who follow me on um, Twitter know that I've been... Redoing my deck in the back of my house, and uh, God, what day was it? Saturday? Yeah, yeah Saturday was... afternoon. Um, I was. My father in law came to help me. Him and I had been building most of it, and I was pulling a, a deck board into place, and he was putting a screw in with the uh the cordless drill, and he he slipped off the screw, and the bit actually like went through my hand. Ah. Uh... <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's, it was an interesting weekend. Um, uh, I'm fine. I mean, it just went through the side of my hand, so it wasn't a huge deal.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you sent me the picture, and <laughs> when it showed up, it you know how they always, like, cropped the picture? Yeah. So you click on it? Or, no, no, you didn't send me. You posted it on Twitter. That's what it was. Yeah. It's always cropped. Like, it mm-hmm. looked really huge and, like, a huge gash. Uh, not to say that it's, like, nothing to laugh about or you know say it was super simple but it didn't look as bad when you saw it in the full context but still yeah that was pretty gnarly so if you're on twitter you can see the uh battle scar that brandon has but i did not uh do anything close to that this weekend i i actually had a friend from out of state and so we were uh hanging out his family and my family and didn't really do much of anything with our direct family for the Father's Day weekend just because we had visitors from out of state. But we hope that everybody had a good weekend, um, depending on where you were. Should have had relatively nice weather compared to what it's been lately. But we hope that you were able to spend time with your family, friends, however you celebrated. I almost I kind of made the mistake today because I was talking to somebody at work and I'm just kind of in the. Uh, most people at my job, cause it's a small workplace, um, have kids. There's mm-hmm. only, I think there's only mm-hmm. two women and one guy that doesn't have kids. Okay. And so the guy was talking to me and he's like, Oh, how was your father's day weekend? And so I got talking to him about stuff and then, you know, the natural thing of like, Oh, well, how was your father's day? And half of it came out and then I was like, Oh. And he's not, like, it's so, like, he actually messes with me. Like, he's like, I get to enjoy, you know, I can do whatever I want when I want, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's good about it. It's not, like, a sensitive situation or anything. But it, I totally put my foot in my mouth when I was like, you don't have Father's Day. Sorry. <laughs> so, classic. But uh we'll continue on with things for the show as we bring you your favorite segment for your health. Oh, yeah. We call it Did You Know? And so this week we turn things over to Brandon. Brandon, what do you have for us?
1: Uh, I found an interesting one here, kind of about uh, the world's population. Uh, Did you know that 90% of the world's population lives in the northern hemisphere?
0: I did not know that.
1: Ninety percent
0: <laughs> that's well, yeah, I mean, I guess when you start bringing it down, you look at India, China, and Japan, you know uh those countries with a ton of population, but still, I mean, you think between like South america Australia, yeah uh, yeah I mean a Africa lot of Africa kinda, yeah, Africa kind of makes sense. I wonder what Africa's population is compared to all the other continents. Uh, that's a good question. Interesting. It's making me think. Better watch out. Can't get too smart, but no, that's ninety percent. Huh.
1: I don't know, you get all those people in Antarctica.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh those people hanging out with the penguins. Oh um, no, that's that's an interesting one. That that definitely feels like one that you could uh come across in one of those game shows but
1: yeah, I found that kind of interesting. That's what it made me think of is, um, like a game show question. Like a who wants to be a millionaire question?
0: Yeah. Is that show still on? Uh, I
1: think they have like a daytime version that's still on.
0: Okay.
1: I think last time I heard that, uh, I think Terry Cruz was the host.
0: What? Oh, I think I saw that. That's so crazy. (laughs) um, (laughs) Speaking of game shows, real quick, though, um, I saw that Whose Line Is It Anyway is still alive. Like, they brought it back. I thought they brought it back, and I thought it died or went Mm -hmm. away or was discontinued. But I saw an advertisement for it again, so I got to be on the lookout and figure out how I can watch that. So, if you are not familiar with the show, you should really watch it. It's really hilarious, especially the original content with um, Mm -hmm. Drew Carey. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Carey. Um, uh, I mean, you can tell it's older because it looks older, but yeah, that was and is a great show, so if you don't know it, look it up on YouTube, you'll have a good time and probably waste half your day. But, uh, then moving right along, we'll keep things with Brandon as we go into the scary stat of the week. And where are we going?
1: Oh, I've got one from the NBA. All right. So in um, 2015, Andre Iguodala won the finals MVP, mostly for the defense that he played on LeBron James. Mm -hmm. Uh, The stats are kind of interesting, though. So in that series, LeBron averaged 35.8 points per game, 13.3 rebounds, 8.8 assists, 1.3 1.3 steals. He had a field goal percentage of 39.8, and he averaged uh, 45.7 minutes. So he, in the first time in NBA history, he led um, both teams in points, assists, and rebounds per game. Oh, wow. But Iguodala still won the MVP for his defense on LeBron.
0: But then LeBron did so well. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird, I guess. Granted, I never...
1: LeBron was basically the only person on that team. Yeah. But, yeah, well... the numbers are kind of funny, just, you know, because everybody talked about how great of a job Iguodala did on him.
0: Yeah. What year was that again?
1: Uh, it was 2015.
0: Okay. Huh. Weird. Yeah, I they never came across
1: that. on Twitter today, and I just I found that kind of interesting.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, now... They don't do it where they give the uh, series MVP to somebody on the losing team, right? Have they ever done that? I, I don't
1: know. I, I know they've done it in hockey. Yeah. Because I remember uh, it's hop- it happened a, ho- a couple times in hockey. Uh, the last one I remember was Jean-Sebastian Jaguer. He was the goalie for the Ducks. He won the Conn Smythe, which is the MVP for the,
0: um, the playoffs. Because I kind of feel like in a situation like that, if it never happened before, that that would be a prime moment for it to be given to somebody on the other team. Oh, yeah, you would think so. Huh. I guess I've never paid that close attention to some things, but might have to look that one up. Huh. Well, I don't know. I'm not the biggest Le- LeBron fanatic, so. which I'm uh, yeah, sure neither that, am I. <laughs> I'm sure that we'll talk about him enough uh, with other things going on and maybe... Have a segment dedicated to some things going on with the NBA and whatnot, but I don't, I don't need to get into it too much because I know it'll drag on for a little bit longer than necessary. Right. So, with that being said, that brings up I wanna rock, rock. rock Moment of the Week. Rock and so, we're actually going to be sticking with the NBA. Uh, Not about LeBron, though, but it's the first time in a long time without LeBron in the NBA Finals, which wrapped up Thursday night as the Toronto Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors uh, and took home the NBA Finals trophy, and they just had the parade. Was it today, I think it was?
1: Yeah, I think so. I was seeing a bunch of highlights on Twitter.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm putting that as the rock moment of the week a little bit. I mean, uh, a couple things with that uh, from the standpoint of, I mean, it's a championship game. Also, I was kind of a Raptors fan when I was was a kid. Uh, When I first, you know, enjoyed watch sports, I kind of just leaned to the Raptors as far as the NBA went because I loved their logo, and I thought (laughs) Raptors were really, really cool. I was like, dinosaur, sweet. (laughs) <laughs> so i remember i remember my first raptors coat you know it was purple and white and black and it had their raptor thing right in the middle and so uh, i love their throwback stuff and yeah. also also i'm putting it as the rock moment because we finally have a new team winning you know i i don't know how long it was i had to run down i think it was five five years
1: That sounds about right. and I mean, it's the first time a Canadian team has won the NBA championship, too.
0: Yeah. So that that kind of adds to as well. But I want to see this here real quick because it was. Yeah, I thought
1: the Raptors were kind of cool, too, back in the day. I mean, because they had Vince Carter, and he was awesome.
0: Yeah. Yep. For sure. Uh, 15, 16, 17, and 18. It was the same. So four years. It was, well, I mean been having Leers, but uh, this you know, that's what it was. Four years, it was the two same teams in the finals. That's what it was, yeah. So, yeah, that kind of like I don't, I'm not too too bothered. Like, you know, people are like, oh, Patriots, you know, get, get over it. Let's see somebody else win. I'm not too bothered when it's one team winning a lot, usually, uh, at least when they get to play different teams in the championship yeah. game. Well, when you have the two te- same teams playing four years in a row, it's kind of like, okay, you know, let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Toronto won. Congratulations, Canada. And, hey, does this mean that the Drake curse is broken?
1: <laughs> Maybe. I don't know.
0: It's going to be weird because it's this is the first time. Now, granted, of course – this is a little bit different because it's not a single game championship. So it's not like a a a fight, it's not like you know the single championship game like the football championship game. This is, was a series. So mm-hmm. maybe because there was a series it kind of gave a little wiggle room. <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> maybe.
0: But I, re- I um we'll have to pay attention as I'm sure the whole world sports world will be watching Drake with things move forward but who knows if the curse is dead but uh keeping in the conversation of sports we'll move forward to our first topic of conversation well I must say I'm a little bit surprised that uh, fire did not rain down from heaven and consume Brandon for him and his outspoken <laughs> views last week. Twitter did not swallow you up. The Michigan fan base did not retaliate um, because of some of the conversation that came up with play- Michigan football players that disappointed you through the years. Mm-hmm. It was a good conversation, and uh, we all had our different points, different players, and everything that we talked about. But then we opened it up to listeners to share anyone that they wanted to, um, that they thought was kind of disappointing. And I'm not sure, I don't think we got a lot of new ones. Did you want to share any of them, or do you want me to go through the whole list?
1: Um, how about you go through half of them and then I'll take half of them that'll work
0: okay I'll do um okay yeah there's there's one person that sent in a long list um Steven, uh who's been a long time listener of the show, calls in a lot, shared a tweet about uh the topic. And I'll read the first top. Uh, he mentioned Wilton Spate, Chris Evans, Blake Countess, and the, f- the funny one I enjoy is every offensive lineman other than Taylor Luan from 2012 <laughs> to 2014.
1: <laughs> Steven's always got some, got some funny comments.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I can definitely see where those can come up. Uh, I'm trying to remember things with Blake Countess. Um, cause I remember some highlights, but you know, that's, that's kind of one too, where I think it was, you know, there was some things that looked really good and you thought that they were going to do more than they were able to, uh, perform to. Mm-hmm. Well, and Spate was definitely one where, um, it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to perform better than Chris Evans with the whole thing that he is uh no longer on the team at this point. But uh did you have anything specifically with those players or the whole offensive line list? Oh man, the offensive
1: line we've had a Michigan has like historically had a great offensive line and we produced a lot of great pros. And I mean, from 2012 to 2014, he's right. We we pretty much had nothing other than Taylor Lewan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that was um. Well, no, that was. I was, I was thinking uh, of the effect of Rich Rod and everything. Except for Rich Rod, did focus on offense. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Care, he didn't care about the defense. So, did you want to share the uh, second part of uh, Stevens' lesson?
1: Yeah, I'll do that. Oh, yes, uh Kyle Callis, uh, Eric Magnuson, Tate 4 ca like you mentioned last week. Uh, Dennis Norfleet was actually one that I mentioned to our friend Jason at work the other day that um, I remember you and I went to the, the first spring game that Harbaugh was around for. Mm-hmm. And I remember Norfleet starting on the defense, and then it was like a mere weeks later that he was released from the team.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, The rest of his list here, he's got Dylan Crawford, Eddie McDoom, uh, you know, Mr. End around there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Devin Gill and Josh Vitellis.
0: Oh, and then uh, right after Northley, you missed uh, Brandon Peters.
1: Oh, I did. Yep. I overlooked Brandon Peters there. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be another one too. I'd say, I mean, he came in, You know, partway through the season and showed some promise and it just, you know, it got hurt and then it just never, never seemed to bounce back, I guess. Yeah. Good against some, some smaller schools and then it came against the big boys and he couldn't really do too much.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to see, was he, he wasn't a five-star, was he? Um, I'm not
1: sure. Like I said, I'm not big in recruiting. I, I would like to think that he's, like, a four-star or higher.
0: Yeah, I think he's a four-star. I know um, I'm bad with that, and I probably should have looked it up uh, earlier, but I'm not Lieutenant seeing... still has another year, doesn't he? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken.
1: So, I mean, he I guess he could redeem himself. Yeah. I feel like, you know, he every once in a while... Make a good play, but he he does a lot of boneheaded stuff too.
0: Hmm. Yeah. No. the The whole list is entirety, and even somebody commented on it. You know, they they said it was quite the list. And yeah, Brandon Peters came in as a four star. So um, I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, I never really was too high on the Brandon Peters hype. Um, I probably got sucked in more by the John O'Corn nonsense, but. <laughs> He, yeah, he definitely, you know, I mean, being four and everything like that didn't turn out as everybody had hoped. So, McDoo. Yeah, he, actually,
1: he actually has a comment on there, too, with somebody else adding to the list. It's uh, from Paul Bear. He's at uh, Paul underscore Brown underscore Bear. Uh, he mentioned Quinn Nordine. Yeah, that one, which, yeah, that's, that's a good one that I overlooked.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a. Uh, a solid submission right there where it, I mean, just kind of crazy how he came in and he had such skill and everything. And then the whole kind of debacle with how he fudged up with Penn state. And then ever since then, he's never really been on track and then he got replaced last year and crap. What is it? Moody was it? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, it came in and was doing great. And so it's just like, I've heard things about attitude issues, you know, uh, different things, potential. I don't, I'm not trying to start rumors or anything. Not confirming it, but that there might be more into it um, than just him not performing well. But how did you yeah. have to
1: question Booty's name? I mean, that's Craig's boyfriend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember because th- there was His oh, man crush. Who was there? Was another one? There was another kicker that I swear started with an M uh, in the oh, past. I don't remember few years anyways so yeah that that's one that i was a little surprised that uh didn't come up in in our original conversation eddie mcdoom yeah that was kind of about see the thing about mcdoom is that uh he's one of those where he kind of he came out of nowhere and he did really well but it was against teams like hawaii and then he just wasn't able to step up his game after that, and so when games that kind of mattered and everything, it didn't. the performance didn't really have an impact.
1: Like when he dropped that wide-open pass against Michigan State? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the you're dead to me moment <laughs> <laughs> to me. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this guy. I was like, oh, that's why he just does end-of-rounds.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, then uh, we got... Uh, Todd Schultz, who mentioned Derek Green, who we talked about last week. And then, uh, did we bring up Tay Odoms? What's that?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I actually forgot about him until I saw that comment. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy.
0: Yeah. His, uh, his name is making me think of some other players during that time, too, but I can't think of their names. But in the positive sense, the impact players. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then Ryan Churchward, Ward, sorry, Churchward uh, mentioned William Campbell. So uh, the interesting one to point out, now this is a little bit different in the context, but uh, Carson Boggs on Twitter then mentioned Denard Robinson, um, but he was specifically saying it wasn't really for what happened in Michigan, but he was hoping to see him have a better career. But that didn't wind up happening for him i um I agree I mean it was disappointing that he didn't have a good career, but that was kind of one of those things that since he wasn't since he was used awkwardly, I would almost say in college, mm-hmm. I wasn't too surprised that uh the n f l didn't really work out for him
1: yeah, I mean, he was kind of in the same boat of guys like Pat White and Tim Tebow, how they were using their offense to like fit their offense but not really they didn't really develop the skills they needed to move on to the next level
0: yeah yeah so yeah he was that one i mean i can't tell you how many conversations i had with people during that time where they're just like dinar is not a quarterback he's a running back get a get a quarterback in there and could you imagine what it would be like if we had a quarterback and just have him as a running back <laughs> or heck i mean with some of the things that they did with uh Jabiru Peppers, you know, throwing him mm-hmm. in and, you know, diversion or whatnot. So actually that was one that didn't come up. Um and I'll I'll frame it this way because I feel I kind of feel like I'm having the conversation like you did with um uh, oh my gosh. McGarry? Uh no um uh, no Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, gosh. Wow! I'm <laughs> yeah, like...
1: not Mitch McGarry. That's a di- completely different story.
0: Wrong sport. Yeah, Uh man, it's Monday. Okay, Uh, but with Jabril Pepper, because essentially, kind of what you were saying with um, Rashawn Gary, with Jabril Peppers, where it's just like there was more potential there, and it just didn't come out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like Jabril Pepper's defense, you know, he he did great, fantastic, and everything. But then the fact that they were putting him in an offense and what they did, with, and I don't know if I would. I would probably put it more on disappointing because of the coaching decisions made with him, not so much his ability itself. Yeah. Because he got put in the game and pretty much every time he, he got put in, it was just like, okay, he's going to, it's going to be a quarterback draw. Mm-hmm. And so shocker or quarterback run, whatever. <laughs> And so there was never anything really interesting done to be able to make anything happen from it. So mm-hmm. disappointing associated with the player, not so much in the player, but just the usage of that player. And gosh, that could probably turn into a huge another conversation of, um, you know, the concept of disappointing as- associated with college players because th- that could go on and on and on with how coaching staffs choose to use or not use players. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was uh, the feedback we got. We always appreciate it when people chat with us about our questions of the week. And uh, we didn't have any voicemails, anything off of our Facebook page or anything, but always remember when we have the questions, feel free to communicate by any of those ways. Twitter is always in, uh, included as well. So anything else with the, uh, that conversation?
1: No, I think we're set.
0: Okay, all right. Moving forward, then. All right, so as we switch it up from sports and we go into the realm of the theater of movies, cine- the cinema, the cinema, filmography, and filmography, yes. And we are talking about something absolutely amazing a <laughs> diamond in the rough. And by rough, we mean extremely rough. And,
1: and by you, diamond we mean a cubic zirconia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and by diamond we mean a giant turd, just sitting. No, it's it's not that bad. So we're doing our very first ever full like movie review, and I think most. I mean, I'm sure that we'll probably change things up here or there, but um, we're we're focusing mostly on kind of those. How, how is it? Good bad movies, good bad flicks, or
1: yeah, I always I always call them awesomely bad movies.
0: Yeah, there you go. I feel that's an appropriate way. Movies that are so bad they're good. Yeah, and we put it out there, so I'm not sure if anybody currently listening right now went ahead and watched the movie uh, along with us here in this past week. So the movie's Miami Connection, and is on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, free the whole movie on youtube and we have plenty to share about the movie uh brandon i'll probably let you kind of start things out this was a little bit of your uh, idea your concept you you have a little bit of a longer history with this movie uh you've been familiar with it for a while you've watched it multiple times actually while Mm -hmm. this was my first experience with this uh this amazing awesomeness! So, uh, if you want to start the conversation, I'll let you roll with it.
1: Cool. Yeah, I've got some a little bit of background here on Miami Connection. Uh, it was made in uh, 1987 uh, by YK Kim. Uh, YK Kim is a world champion Taekwondo fighter. Uh, he set out to to make a movie because, you know, of the, at, at that time there was recent success with. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, he also comes from the world of fighting. So, you know, Kim's just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a world champion. I, I feel like I could do something like this. So he basically assembled his like, students from a school and friends and decided to make a movie. So he pooled all of his money together from friends. He took out his savings. He took a second mortgage out a school. And he borrowed money from for loans to come up with a budget for this and, and the movie cost like roughly one million dollars uh, he He brought like <laughs> okay. a few people on like that knew something about film to help him make it, and like the people were like, "This guy has no idea what he's doing, and he's in it over his head, <laughs> 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 which you know it kind of shows uh he He finally got the movie made, and he had a hard time finding someone to uh put the movie through right yeah and finally he found one company that was willing to give him i I believe it was a hundred thousand dollars to uh release the movie uh it was it was at a very short release it it was it ran for three weeks Mm. Uh, it was panned greatly by uh by critics and and newspapers and all that kind of stuff and the in the, um, central Florida area. Um, and it, you know, it was years later. Um, it was, I can't remember what year it was, but there's a guy named Zach Carlson. He's the program director for Alamo draft house theater in Austin, Texas. Okay. He actually stumbled across the original film reel for Miami connection on eBay. And he bought it for $50 Nice to show on a, the show at the theater because I don't know if you're if you've heard of Alamo Draft House.
0: No, not really. I mean, I th- it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's a chain of theaters. There actually
1: used to be one in Kalamazoo. Uh, it recently recently closed, but it's it's kind of a cool theater. I you know, I've never been to one, but just reading about it sounds really cool. Where they'll have they'll show different older movies. They'll bring in like actors and directors and stuff from the movies and have like a Q and A afterwards.
2: Okay. Uh-huh.
1: They do film festivals and it's the kind of theater like if you are sitting there playing on your phone, somebody will come and like tell you to leave. Nice. Like, you can't be like super loud during a movie. Can't be playing on your phone. That kind of stuff. They'll they'll come and and ask you to leave. It's strict. Kind of just like lovers of movies will go to. The Alamo Drafthouse.
0: People would really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, they showed the Miami Connection, at the Austin, Texas one, and it, it got super popular. They showed it a couple times, sold out every time. Uh, people that came and saw it just loved it. So um, the director of Drafthouse Films, he, he contacted YK Kim numerous times about re-releasing the movie. And Y.K. Kim actually thought the guy was joking, so he hung up on him a few times. <laughs> and finally, he was able to, able to get a hold of Y.K. Kim and talk to him about it. And they negotiated a little bit and decided to re-release the movie on DVD, Blu-ray, and they actually had a limited VHS run. Nice. And this was back in 2012, I believe. Uh, so yeah, so the movie got re-released and it, it's kind of found its own audience now, just for being, you know, <laughs> just for the dialogue and everything being so bad. Uh, yeah, and I saw an interview with YK Kim and like uh, he just he loves the fact that people like like the movie, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's just for how bad it is. He's just he's just happy that something that he took all that money into and all the the love and attention into and that people are enjoying
0: it. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So So yeah, I mean what are your what are your thoughts on it since it's your first time seeing it?
0: Uh well it, it's definitely entertaining and I think that you you said it really well where <laughs> it's um I don't know if I would say non it's not nonstop action, but it's a nonstop movie. Like there's almost always something happening even mm-hmm. if it's really weird, quirky, and dumb, it's not It it's not one of those movies. Because I was actually thinking about it, too, a little bit while I was watching it, where it's just like some of the movies that you see today do that really, you know, they actually took a little bit more time to do different um, angles and filming. And, you know, they'll have some where there's nothing going on. They'll, they'll show you the area. They'll show you the set or what's happening. And this movie's just like, no, we're... We're here we're going to go here, this is happening this sevenabba like it, it's one thing after another, another. that being said, uh, it's like watching half of it is a music video mm-hmm. uh, because it's music and either just people fighting or people just making music but it was it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I'm definitely one of those people similar to you, I mean especially considering we've hung out in some of the other movies that we've watched that it is a as you said, awesomely bad movie and I can easily watch it. And it's only, it's just under an hour and a half. So I could see myself watching it it again sometime, maybe showing it to someone else or just kind of watching it to see what else I catch. Um, As you will say, and I don't want to take stuff away from what you're going to say, like some of the acting, I mean, you talked about the dialogue, just wow. Just, if you are a fan of <laughs> bad acting and bad dialogue, this is a gold mine for you.
1: Yeah, and I think we both kind of agree on who's the worst actor in the whole movie. Yeah. And it's it's the guy who plays Jeff.
0: Yeah. He's I,
1: he's like one of the main bad guys. He he is by far he he but I have down here that he butchers every single line. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, uh, we're talking
1: monotone, um, just awkward pauses and well, yeah.
0: I was just, just going to say, say yeah, that no he,
1: emotion. He, I mean, just monotone is the main thing.
0: Yeah. Well then even, uh, exactly how you said, awkward pauses, like when you're, <laughs> when you see bad dialogue in movies, you can easily kind of catch it because good dialogue. You don't think about mm-hmm. like it happens and you, you accept it when it's bad dialogue. One, it's awkward, but two, if you sit there and you think about it, you're like why was there no pause there? Or why in the world is he pausing for so long? Like you catch when it's the kind of the exact opposite of what's supposed to be happening.
1: Exactly. Um the, I think the hardest thing with this movie is explaining the plot. Yes. Well, I'm just going to read it here from IMDb. Okay. It says A martial arts rock band goes up against a band of motorcycle ninjas who have tightened their grip on Florida's narcotics trade.
0: But that's not exactly what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to
1: say that. Like, that's not even exactly what goes on. Because, I mean, as the movie goes on, like, it starts out with a club owner introducing the band Dragon Sound. And Dragon Sound consists of all, all the main characters you got yk kim he plays mark uh it, god he he's a good fighter and everything and some of the martial arts and stuff he does it, it's pretty amazing i mean he's such a little guy mm-hmm. but just some of the kicks and stuff he does are pretty cool but he got the dude barely speaks english yeah every one of his lies is just chopped up and like, you can just get the feeling that when he delivers a line, it was just like a one-time thing. Like, okay, he got it. out. let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's a one and done shot <laughs> along with him. I, I took some notes and made some comparisons of what these people look like. So we got John. Um, we both agreed that he looked like Michael Phelps. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, he, and he is the boyfriend of, uh, we mentioned jeff earlier his his sister jane who i said uh desperately wants to be pat benatar mm-hmm. same haircut same kind of clothes her voice is even similar because she's one of the singers for for dragon sound uh then we got tom he's a guitarist uh he looks just like john Oates from hall and Oates.
0: yes he's got,
1: <laughs> he's got the the dark hair big bushy mustache I feel like he walks around without a shirt on most of the time.
0: You're probably right.
1: At the movie, <laughs> you know, along with those guys, we've got uh, we've got Jim. He he's the black guy. He reminded me of I can't think of his name in Revenge of the Nerds. That he's the really flamboyant uh, gay guy from Revenge of the Nerds.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know that movie very well, so I definitely won't get a name for you. But I know who you're talking about. <laughs>
1: yeah man i can't remember his name uh and then lastly we got jack who i just he doesn't have anything that like really describes him i just refer to him as the guy that's there (laughs) (laughs) he's got kind of curly black hair and he's got some pretty gnarly looking teeth
0: he was the drummer wasn't he
1: yeah yeah he's the one that comes up with the idea of doing a world tour And only going to the areas of where their ancestors are from.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because everybody's orphans. What's that? Because all the guys are orphans. Oh, yep. And that's like how they got together. And Yeah, so their students... they all go
1: to University of Central Florida. Yes. Which is shown prominently.
0: Oh, yeah they They have University of Central Florida. actually, it's kind of interesting because I have a couple things pulled up, and uh, I didn't catch it, but so in the movie, and they don't do a very good job separating these things, there's uh, at at the beginning, there's a drug deal that goes down between who knows who, um, but then the the ninjas step in, the ninja gang steps in and like kills everybody. And so there's those two bad, those groups of bad guys. And then you, so that happens in Miami. Then the rest of the movie, as Brandon pointed out to me, takes place in Orlando. So there's that for you to um, soak in.
1: The Orlando connection.
0: Exactly. And (laughs) so in Orlando, there is the band that was replaced that dragon force replaced. They become, you know, uh, bad guys or, Hostile, whatever you want to say, and so you're trying to keep track of that group is against Dragon Force, and then Jeff's gang, which is associated to the Ninja Gang, is against Dragon Force because they don't like him because one of the guys is dating his sister.
1: Yeah, it's it's Dragon Sound,
0: Dragon Sound. Gosh, sorry, yeah. Dragon Force, is something completely. Dragon Sound, which yeah. uh, eventually both the the hostile groups or gangs or whatever team up anyway. So then everybody's on the same side but for a while there you're just like who are you where did you come from what are you doing <laughs> and they just, yeah
1: the one we see the most is jeff just because he's jane's brother and he doesn't like her dating john for whatever reason i mean john's a nice guy i don't really understand
0: yeah why and he's was, like
1: so irritated about it
0: yeah there was no reason a people it was basically like people f- picking fights with dragon sound dragon sound really didn't do anything um and then yeah, they were, were just
1: kind of there making their making their terrible 80s music yeah
0: which um if you're a fan of terrible music you will not be disappointed by this one uh what were so, the titles so
1: terrible that it's great yes yeah, the songs will get stuck in your head <laughs>
0: There was um what were they called against the ninja mm-hmm. which is ironic because you know they're taekwondo what they need to be talking about or making songs about ninjas who knows but somehow ninjas appear in the movie then.
1: Yeah they mentioned yeah they mentioned the ninjas at the beginning but none of them have met the ninja gang yet.
0: Yeah exactly right. <laughs> oh man. It's like they
1: it's like they sat there and watched the movie with us with the ninjas uh killing all the people in that drug deal.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're
1: like, oh, it's like we gotta write a song about that. Okay, now into the movie.
0: <laughs> well I find it kind of funny because you ha- how you had mentioned that he actually hired some people in the movie business to help him. Yeah. I I feel like they helped him at the beginning and then it was like all hope was lost after that because At the beginning, the fight between the ninjas and the the other drug dealers or whatever, there were guns and they actually had a gunfight. Nobody died, of course, from the guns because all the ninjas came in and either broke their necks or stabbed them with swords and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Um, But then after that, any time a gun showed up, nobody fired it. (laughs) It was just like there and like they would it would get kicked out of their hand or they would drop it. It was just, I don't know if they were trying to save money by not doing special effects or what, but it's just like, you guys, you guys are gangs in in the drug ring and you don't use weapons or you don't have weapons. Like they were trying to get rid of dragon sound and they just resorted to hand to hand combat or fighting with swords and ninjas.
1: Yeah, and then they constantly talk about, we got to take these guys out, and then it's like, we got to watch out for Mark. He's a black belt in Taekwondo. Yeah. So they all have to go after Mark one at a time. It was like a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, yeah. like You, you guys got like 10 people just all jump the guy at once.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they try. Uh, they try to do what some of the great Bruce Lee and uh, Jackie Chan movies did where they tried to be like, all right, somebody's in the background and then everybody kind of like moves in a little bit. And, you know, it makes it look like everybody's fighting them at one time. Yeah. But they, of course, with the theme of this movie, movie did not execute that accurately. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. um. But one thing that was funny that I'll point out, and I don't know if you ever noticed this, but they. Blatantly obvious When they were filming scenes And they had You know, actual actors That they had working there Not just extras. Everybody fit into the camera frame Did you notice oh, that? Oh
1: no, I didn't notice that
0: Yes, it was super awkward I was like, <laughs> okay we, You are blatantly trying to show us That this you are filming this Because you're making sure everybody's in Like, usually in a, I mean Uh, I was actually friends with somebody who uh, worked on some small movies kind of in the region and everything. And um, it was really unfortunate because she wound up being not in the movie because the scene that she was in didn't go into the movie. Um, But like, that's kind of the thing that happens when you're like an extra or whatever. It's just like, you're either in small scenes or you're like on the side where depending on the camera angle, you're going to be in it. You're going to partially be in it, or you might not really be in it at all. But it's just Mm -hmm. for like, the scene and everything, but it seemed like they strategically, I don't know if they did it on purpose or it was just the actors like, I want to be in the scene. And where there would be you could watch the side of the the frame and there would be a gap because everybody was inside the frame wanting to be in the shot. And I was like, (laughs) oh man. So yeah, you can keep an eye out for that.
1: I one thing I did notice is that did you notice that they reused some shots back to back?
0: Oh yes, um, one spot where I can't remember. It, it was I think it was in the final ninja fight.
1: Yeah, there was that, and then there was a part on the beach where um, Tom oh. falls down. He he like hits on that girl, and she slaps him, and he falls down onto the towel with him.
0: Yeah, and no, they're that... like
1: smacking him, and yep. uh, Jack pulls him away, mm-hmm. and they show like him pull him away twice, and like the girls throw stuff at him.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is super weird because they didn't need to do it twice. And
1: no, not at all. Like I don't understand the point yeah. of that.
0: No, yeah, it was. <sighs> I, I mean, like we have even gotten to some of the best parts of the of the movie because I mean, there's the letter from the or of the dad thing. <laughs> I, I don't even know how you want to talk about that.
1: Well, so kind of like a mini story within the craziness that is Miami Connection. Uh, Jim finds out from his mother at an early age that he, who his dad is, and she tells him where he lives and that he should contact him because for some reason his mom and his dad couldn't be together because she was Korean and he was a, a black American and I, I don't really know what the heck he was talking about.
0: Oh yeah, no, it was, it was bad. It was bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he has like fake tears and everything after he opens his letter. Uh, my, one of my favorite lines from the movie is uh, YK Kim looks at him and he's like Fada. I, I taught that we all are or pens. <laughs> It was, so it was like, really it was... you chose that take how many takes were there
0: <laughs> i that's why i'm telling you we were talking about this earlier and i was just like dude i swear half this movie was filmed with one take for each scene i, I believe it oh man but yeah uh, that's that scene in particular with the letter the first letter that came in everything um i was just thinking from the standpoint of first of all watching was awkward but if i was there and that was going on and that's how like my friend was dealing with it in that way, like that would even be awkward. And I'd be like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, I hope you handled that well, but I don't even know what to do with what you just said. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I mean, the whole father thing, it, it comes into play later in the movie too. Um, another one of my favorite lines is Jim gets a, another letter from his father. And he's standing by the mailbox, and he's like, oh, a letter. And he opens it up, and he's like, my father. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the other guys kind of rush outside to see what the commotion's about, and they're all celebrating and everything. (laughs) How Jim's going to meet his dad. And then they hoist him on their
0: shoulders.
1: and Yeah, it was just this huge celebration.
0: And it's even more awkward because Jim has his pants undone.
1: Yeah, his it, pants undone, his shirt off.
0: Yeah, he does. He's like he a does towel
1: over his shoulder, I believe.
0: Yeah, he did that in both scenes, like with both letters. He had, uh, I think he had the same thing, towel over the shoulder, but his, his pants were undone. I'm just like, okay, the first one, he's like, hey, I'm going to go get in the shower or something. So that kind of yeah. makes sense. But then he walks outside the mailbox, pants undone, towel over the shoulder, no shirt. I'm just like, is this your MO? Is this like what you're trying to establish for your character i don't know that i just thought that was awkward and they pick him up while his pants are undone and i was just <laughs> well uh i'll share actually one of my uh i don't know if i would say favorite quotes but uh favorite part is you know we're gonna spoil things here for you but still um jeff so jeff uh jane's brother mm-hmm. the bad guy they, they kidnap one of the guys And somehow, the funny thing is too They kidnap one of the guys from Dragon Sound Somehow Dragon Sound Knows it was them and where they're keeping him Even though they show absolutely none of that Like yeah. they don't There's no phone call, there's no letter They just kidnap him And then the next scene is them Keeping him somewhere And Dragon Sound is supposed to be there A certain time, they're like They're late man And it's like, well how did you even tell them? There was no, no nothing. Uh, but um, in, in that scene, Jeff, uh, the guy is up on some scaffolding or up kind of like in a tower in a construction site, and they corner, they defeat everybody, and it's them versus Jeff, and they're kind of like going sparring back and forth, and then Jeff falls, and then he dies. So they don't <laughs> really kill him, but um, he he fell and he died. And then I don't know if it's the very next scene after that or a while later, um, Jane comes back for the first time to see her boyfriend, whatever his name was, and John, John, and she was just like, yeah, I was having a hard time, um, you know, with everything that happened with my brother and all. And then it was just kind of like, that was it. Yeah. Dude, this guy. I mean, it was an accident, but essentially this guy just killed your brother and you slough it off like it's nothing, like it's but I mean, I've seen things where people have a bigger deal with their dog dying mm-hmm. in movies, and it's like your brother, human being, just died, and that's how they decided to deal with it in two seconds in the movie.
1: Yeah, she's basically like, oh, you know, Mark was fighting with him, and my brother died, but, you know, I still really love Mark and support him. Yeah. <laughs> because he's John's friend.
0: Oh man, I know.
1: Uh did you I I mentioned to you at the beginning of the movie before you watched it that one of the main characters doesn't know taekwondo. Can you guess who it is? And you you totally guessed it. Uh and we mentioned earlier how he was he was captured. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's Tom the guitarist. Um and if you noticed too, I didn't notice through the movie really too much the first time I watched it. And I, I have the Blu-ray, so I watched, like, the interviews and little documentary thing they did about it. And mentioned when they got all the people for the movie, like I said, they were mostly YK Kim's students and friends. But they needed someone to write the music. So that, that's why they got Tom, because he was a musician. Okay. He, he wrote the, the songs for the movie, and, like, if you notice throughout the movie, he never fights. There's always, like, some reason, you know, he gets captured. Either they'll show up and he's, like, tied up with a couple guys. And he just kind of squeaks away and takes off running and somebody else does the fighting.
0: Yeah. And then there's also scenes where, like,
1: all these other guys are fighting and just Tom's not there.
0: <laughs> yep. He doesn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, one of the times when they had to show up, like, um, they called out Dragon Sound. Like, they called them to have a fight or whatever and only three of them showed up. There were five guys and only three of them showed up. Uh Jim, um, the black guy and uh, who was the black guy, and then Tom, the guitarist, didn't even show up for the fight. <laughs> which I was just like, what? Like, there was no explanation for why they didn't go. They just weren't there. So it's like, okay, cool. You know, we're going to fight this gang. Thanks for having our backs guys
1: yeah well there's one too where they have a fight and then they come home and mark goes to talk to tom and he's sitting in his room writing a song yeah <laughs> he's like i've almost got the song go- done it's gonna be great for our next show
0: yeah and then yk kim sat next to him he's like here check it out and then yk kim's and he's like wow that looks really cool and it's like dude you know how long it takes to look at a sheet of music <laughs> like instantaneously he was just like dude that looks awesome and it's like what <laughs> pause look at the sheet of music i don't know man uh, yeah
1: cause... i mean like we said with the, the music it's it's so corny and so 80s in a nutshell that it's it's great oh yeah um i actually told you too before the movie because you know because we both love video games that the song friends was used in the game far cry 3 blood dragon mm-hmm. it was in the closing credits
0: yeah yeah, that
1: was one of them that was written by Tom, the guy who played Tom nice uh, well, We uh, t- I told you too like, to pay attention to that against the ninja song because they talk about how uh, they're gonna stop the senseless killing but then they say they're gonna even up the score
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean
1: how do you even up the score without killing someone
0: exactly and that actually brings it to an interesting part where I think that we need to talk about the end of the movie Mm-hmm. Um, so they, Jim is going to go see his dad, try to meet his dad. And so then YK Kim and Jim and John jump in the car, go into the airport and they get cut off by the Ninja gang, which again, they have had no direct interaction with the Ninja gang at this point. And they get stopped on a bridge and they're just like, oh, man, ninjas. It's like, dude, what? <laughs> Where in the world is this a normal thing that you're just like, oh, dude, look, it's ninjas on motorcycles in broad daylight.
1: Yeah, we're just going through the park and all of a sudden we get jumped by ninjas
0: <laughs> in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, they, they get jumped, they get out. Uh, They tried to kind of like get away, like all the way up into this point, um, outside of Jeff falling from the tower or whatever, it wasn't dying. These guys uh, talk and practice what they preach where it's like, Taekwondo is not about violence. You know, it's about peace or whatever, however they say. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, really they're kind of following that up until this point because Jeff's death for more or less was an accident. But then they attack Jim and they injure, like, critically injured Jim. And then YK, Kim, and John, like, snap. Like, they go into (laughs) crazy mode and they see red. And then it completely changes. Like, they start hunting the ninjas then. Like, they aren't just defending themselves. They are hunting the ninjas. Oh, yeah. And they are killing them. They're not, like, beating them up. They are, like, killing them as aggressively as possible. And it yeah, guys
1: getting their necks cut open heads cut off, um, stabbed in the stomach with knives.
0: Yeah. And they, uh, I mean, it's like they tried turning it into an Arnold movie with some of the things that they were pulling, but yeah, it just, uh, completely switched. And I just found that kind of crazy that they went ahead and went with that. But what was your, what were some of your thoughts about that kind of ending there?
1: yeah uh it's got another one of my favorite quotes is so all but two of the ninjas are dead you got the white ninja who's the leader and then um you got like this one just grunt ninja he he runs up to the white ninja who's just kind of sitting there meditating of course <laughs> and he's like boss everybody's dead and then the white ninja just kind of stands up slowly pulls out his katana and then like slices the dude's head off <laughs> What was the reason for that? And then uh, the white ninja goes on to have a fight with Mark, and he's he's the one that dies with the the knife to the stomach.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-
1: you, you gotta love like all the slow motion in this movie too, especially because that last fight there with uh with Mark and the white ninja. There's a lot of slow motion in that one, and you could tell like they even went like half speed on it too. <laughs> so you're getting like super slow, awkward, awkward, slow motion. I, I can't really explain it. It's one of those things you have to watch.
0: Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of the cinematography was not very well done. But I must admit that that, that fight scene with the ninjas at the end, not, not just the white ninja, but kind of the where they get jumped on the ninjas and they're hunting the ninjas, ninja group. was probably the better filmed part of the movie because they had different angles. Um, they had, it wasn't just straight, you know, put the two people in the shot and show them fighting. There was actually, I I don't know if it was thought process or actually just because of where they were filming that they, it was a little bit more interesting and I feel like they accomplished more with it. But, Mm -hmm. uh, to go towards the end of the story, um, Jim winds up being okay. They got him to the hospital, and uh, then his dad somehow, um, with all of this happening so fast, is at the hospital. I
1: don't. Yeah, because I think they were on their way to. weren't they on their way to the airport or something like that with Jim to?
0: Were they to pick picking up, him up his dad? Okay, maybe they were picking him up. I thought they were like sending him to go see him. Um, See, yeah, that's I'm...
1: what I originally thought, too, but then when I watched it a couple more times, I think they're on their way to pick him up or meet him at mm-hmm. the airport.
0: That might make and
1: sense. I, <laughs> after watching this for probably, like, the fifth time, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I've watched this movie so many times, that um, I've realized that Jim's dad at the end is probably the best actor of the whole bunch. Really? I I thought he was actually halfway decent. You could tell, like, he had some acting background, at least. It's just the lines he was given to say were bad.
0: Okay, maybe that that's it, but yeah. Because
1: there's, there's one line he has that made me crack up, was um, he said, you got all these, these great friends that care for you. He's like, and now I care for you, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I remember that. But then uh, it, he may have had some better moments. I don't know. I might have to go back and watch it again just to see, but... There were some parts where I was just like, dude, this guy is doing so bad. Kind of remind me of Jeff because he was just like talking to his son who he just saw who almost died. And he's just like, I lost you once. I almost lost you again. But because of your friends or whatever. And I was just like, I, I you know, there was there was nothing put into it. But <laughs> the craziest thing about it then is that they choose this to be where they end the movie like this is yeah. the end of the movie they're in the hospital so jim gets stabbed in the stomach with a katana they take him <laughs> to the hospital and the doctor comes out and talks to them and they're just like oh uh, he's like he's lucky you know there wasn't any major damage he's going to be okay and they're like okay when is he going to be able to, you know go and they're he's like oh i'll be able to release him here to you shortly what <laughs> <laughs> Dude just got stabbed with a katana, and you're just like, Oh, yeah, this is outpatient surgery. You can go home now. No worries. That's what I was
1: thinking about, too. <laughs> oh, it's just gosh. like, where uh,
0: everything moved so quickly. It's like, okay, I get that you want it to progress, but it's just like you could even be like a day later or something like that.
1: Yeah, there's a few more things I had written down that uh, I just found funny with the movie. Uh, One of them was how Y.K. Kim, as Mark, is supposed to be a college student, but the dude looks like he's 45 years old. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everybody else else could kind of pass, you know, for someone in their 20s. I mean, the guy who plays John, he looks like he's a little bit older. But, uh, I mean, Jane, she looks like she could be young enough to be in college, you know, towards the end of college. And Jack, kind of the same way. Uh, Jim, he looks like a little younger guy, too, but Y.K. Kim, by far, looks like the oldest <laughs> of the bunch. Like I said, he looks like he's in his 40s. Um, also, we get introduced to Mark's uncle, who owns a, a restaurant. Yeah. And Mark's uncle looks like the Asian Charles Bronson. like he's obviously not a dude you want to mess with. And like these punks come in and like try to trash his restaurant and his uncle takes like four guys out by himself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I thought that was funny too, because I was thinking, first of all, one completely unnecessary to have him in there. And that's another thing too, mentioning about how you, they had friends and everything in there. Um, And the first time they introduced his uncle, there was no need for that scene whatsoever, and they held for a very long time on the uncle character. And I was just yeah. like, okay, this is just to give this guy some face time. Yeah, But yeah, there was really no need for it. Uh, he didn't really add anything to the story, but I must say this, uh, and I know that martial arts especially is not all about how imposing you are, or how intimidating you may look physically, mm-hmm. but out of all the characters, uh at least specifically on the good guy side or whatever you might want to say. Yeah. He was the one that looked like he would be the one to do the most damage. like you said. And yet he had no role really in next to anything. <laughs> so I feel like they missed out on uh on something good there.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Uh yeah, and I mean the last funny thing I noticed too was the scene where they pull up on the beach and all the guys are kind of standing up in the car. It's a convertible and they're catcalling at girls and everything. (laughs) Did you notice a lot of it was like audio that was added afterwards? Yeah. Because a lot of the things they're saying, it doesn't match up with their mouths.
0: Oh yeah. And there's another
1: scene too, where one of them, I can't even remember who says it. He says they don't have buns like that. And I can't remember what he said after that. Yeah, and then they they zoom in on this girl's butt, and she's she has no butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a just has a flat butt. And I'm like, okay, out of all the girls you showed, and like and earlier in this this segment, you choose the one that has no butt, and then you talk about her butt.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, they. I noticed that how mess uh, how weird the cat calling was. And then also, if you pay attention to what the grunts or you know henchmen are saying at different times, yeah, that was so messed up. So like, just uh, I'm listening, and they're like trying to be intimidating or something. And I'm just like, I don't even know what you just said. Like, mm-hmm. is that? Am I supposed to be intimidated by that? Is that like some kind of slander that you are trying to throw <laughs> at the character? I don't even. I don't even know what that means. Right. And yeah, it just sounded more corny than anything, but yeah, no, it's, it's a gem of a movie. Like we said, it's just, uh, under an hour and a half, so it's not that much to watch. So honestly, if, um, if anybody has watched it or is going to watch it, uh, feel free to share with us your thoughts, give us a call, send us a message or something. So, cause we're interested to hear other people's perspectives. So. Uh anything anything else you want to add or we're actually going a little bit long.
1: Yeah, um the only thing else I have left to say is only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace.
0: Brilliant.
1: <laughs> which, which is big white letters on a black screen pops up at the end of the movie.
0: I I feel all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, when we when we exit, we'll have a little special treat for you guys. Uh, we will sharing some of the music as our outro, but we uh, we will definitely need to move along as we look at the time uh, here. So uh, Miami Connection can find it on YouTube right now. I think it's wor- easily worth an hour and 20 minutes of your life, especially if you're mm-hmm. some interesting. So and as is you enjoy awesomely bad movies. So but moving forward. Speaking of horribly bad movies, or awesomely bad movies, Garbage Day, Um, (laughs) but we're here for Garbage Play. So Garbage Play of the Week, messed up things that happen that just are too good not to talk about, and we're going to be returning to the NBA Finals, and as everyone, well not everyone, but most of our listeners are kind of associated with uh, Michigan fans and things like that, we get to uh, see a former... Big Ten athlete shine on his uh, sports uh, biggest stage as Draymond Green was playing in the NBA Finals. The, the last, wait, was it the last game? Yeah, it was the last game in the series. That's right. I forgot that I watched part of it. And when they were struggling to try to keep things alive and maybe force a game seven, they there was a loose ball they were down there. Were, it was closing moments of the game. He gets the ball possession, the ball, and he pulls what we a lot of people are familiar with, uh, at Michigan, but on the national stage in front of everyone calls a timeout when they have no timeouts. Mm-hmm. So technical foul shots by the Raptors and the ball goes to the Raptors. And in such an awkward fashion, comes the end of the nba finals the toronto raptors the new reigning champions and just an awkward way to finish that so there is your garbage play of the week
1: actually today is uh global garbage day
0: oh hey look at that yeah Uh, i saw that today on
1: twitter as well
0: perfect global garbage day i like it can I have to remember that june oh (laughs) That's actually kind of funny. Um, I could have used it as rock moment, but I don't want to use too many things, personal things, for rock moment, just because I like doing things that encompass more than myself that other people might know. But today was my son's birthday, so there you go. All right, world, world trash day. <laughs> I'll have to, or garbage day, or how did how did you say it?
1: It's global garbage day.
0: Global garbage day. I will I will have to inform that to my son. I'll put that in his card next year and say happy birthday, happy, happy global garbage day. (laughs) All right. But we're uh, then moving into the two minute drill. This is the part of the show where we bring up things that have happened in the last rough week or so sports or non-sports related. And we throw as much as possible at you in two minutes. Uh, Brandon, you ready to go? Let's roll. All right. Here we go. This past Saturday, Michigan baseball defeated Texas Tech 5 to 3 and uh, advanced in the College World Series. Um, Branding.
1: Uh, the St. Louis Blues won their first Stanley Cup in franchise history on Wednesday. Caleb.
0: I had an awkward pause there then because I wanted to separate this in two because they then, Michigan baseball played tonight, Monday. And they beat Florida State to continue advancing, continue their winning streak, and they won the game two to zero. Brandon.
1: The Detroit Lions uh, traded tight end Michael Roberts to the Patriots for a late round pick. He failed his physical, and the Patriots uh, rescinded on the trade, so he went back to the Lions. They cut him, and then today the Packers signed him. Caleb,
0: future superstar right there, because the Lions won't have him. Um, CBS. Named James Franklin of Penn State the top coach in the Big Ten after Urban Meyer's departure. Okay, then Brandon,
1: a longtime Denver Broncos owner Pat Bolin, he passed away at the age of 75. Caleb,
0: uh, this past Saturday, the Pelicans made a trade of moving Anthony Davis to the Lakers for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. Uh, Then also the number four overall pick in this upcoming draft and two future first round picks. Uh, Brandon.
1: Uh, I noticed the other day that all the Friday to 13th movies are now on Amazon Prime. So uh, if you're into those, give them a watch. Caleb.
0: Uh, Wrapping things up. Juwan Howard has filled out his assistant positions and they are as follows. Phil Martelli, Howard Isley, and Sadie Washington, I probably butchered some of those names in there. And there's your Michigan men's basketball assistants. And that's all she wrote. All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and just jump right on out of here because we are we are long. This might be one of our longest episodes yet. Um, so uh, if for question of the week, I think – are we just putting it if you watched Miami connection or have any thoughts about Miami connection, share them or, or do you want to pull out a specific question for the week?
1: No, I think that works.
0: Okay. All right. So if you watched Miami connection or if you're going to watch Miami connection, feel free to share your thoughts with us and we will do like we did this week and share listener thoughts at the Beginning topic of the episode. So we thank you guys for listening. This is first uh, movie review ever for the show, and there will be more to come. Uh, We'll give you guys heads up ahead of time so that you can watch movies along with us. If you'd like to, I think Brandon, you mentioned that we're going to focus on movies on YouTube, Amazon prime and Netflix. That way most people will be able to find access to them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So we'll be looking forward to that. And We'll sign off here. So until next, uh, don't forget, stick around to enjoy the amazing sounds coming at you from Miami Connection and Dragon Sound. So until next time, we'll finish off with Go Blue. Go Blue.